Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey everyone, it's Caroline from G Thanks Just Bought It, reminding you that in between episodes, you can find me on Instagram at G Thanks Just Bought It Pod. You can find products that don't make it onto the episodes and recommendations from listeners like you. So before you start this episode, give it a follow and say hi in the comments. And for a full list of every product we featured on G Thanks, visit gthanksjustboughtit.com slash episodes. See you there. of G Thanks Just Bought It, the podcast where we talk about what we just bought and what you might need to buy next. I'm your host, Caroline Moss, and today I'm joined by Jessamine Stanley. Jessamine is a yoga teacher. She's a body positivity advocate, and she's a writer based in Durham, North Carolina, and she uses yoga, um, specifically high uh, energy vinyasa flow, as a way to move past mental and emotional barriers, which I'm extremely into, and her classes provide a body positive approach to yoga, which celebrates students' bodies and encourages them to ask how do I feel rather than how do I look, which is why I like yoga, because a lot of times there is not a mirror in class and I can stop staring at myself in the mirror uh, when practicing yoga. Um, Jessamine, I discovered you on Instagram and I immediately was like, I need to like, let's, we need to talk. We need to be friends. And I am happy <laughs> yeah. you're here. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh. And can I just like say right off the bat that I fully identify with what you're saying about like looking in the mirror while practicing and like, or while doing any type of exercise. And that actually is such a huge part of my own journey is that like whole mirror conversation. So I feel you identify with that. It's like I'm coming home. I love it. I don't even have, you know, I moved a few months ago and I decided the last apartment I lived in in Brooklyn um, had mirrors like built into some of the doors. Like mm-hmm. there was no getting rid of them. The doors were mirrors and I oh, felt yeah. it a little unhealthy <laughs> after a while. Right. Like you don't need that many mirrors. And I had so many mirrors and we do not have a full length mirror, um, where we currently are. And even though I'm not going out, so I'm not look, like inspecting my full look that right. often, um, I've actually found it really helpful. And I thought, you know, I think there's something here. Uh, and it's the same with working out the full the full length mirror. A lot of times you're just sort of adjusting yourself and right. that's it. Right. I mean, I so, okay, this has been, <clears throat> excuse me, something that I didn't even realize before I started practicing yoga, but like there are whole years of my life where like I don't have that many photos of myself because I like intentionally did not get in photos. Like I would avoid mirrors, like go out of my way to not look at my own reflection. And so much of my own like body acceptance journey has come via like actually making myself look at my reflection and now my house has mirrors literally fucking everywhere and I am like very much in this place and I also like constantly photograph myself and it's be it's not it's really coming from this place of like wanting to accept everything that I've been told that I'm not allowed to accept and I noticed this thing so when I first started practicing yoga at home I took photos of it because I wanted to watch my progress over time and one of the reasons that people don't practice yoga at home one of the many reasons is because it's like very isolating and you're kind of like I don't know if I'm doing this right. Like I don't have a teacher here to tell me if I'm doing it right. Mm -hmm. So I would take the photos just to be able to be like, okay, so I should jet my knee out further here. I should lift up more here, like whatever the thing is. And I noticed that in the moment of the photo being taken, so like I have a self timer, right? So I like set the timer and I run into the, run into place and I get into the posture. And in that moment I would be like, oh my God, 
yoga is amazing. I have tra- I'm transcending. I don't know. You know, yoga thoughts. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, I, that's how I am. In <laughs> yeah, I'm I, like, I'm like, oh my god, right. this is so great. And then I go and look at the photos, and I would just immediately start talking cash shit about myself. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my god, look at my stomach, look at my arms, look at my chins. Like, like I'd be making up things to dislike about myself because mm-hmm. I was so obsessed with an idea of who I should be or who I could be or like all of this stuff. And it took a really long time for me to even really notice that I was doing this, but like, it took a while before I was like, you know that you're the one saying these things about yourself, right? Like, like it's cool. You can say whatever you want, but there's no one, like you want to blame the media. You want to blame family. You want to br- blame friends, but like, you're the one Jessamine who is, who is right here saying these awful things about yourself and excuse me and what what happened between the moment when you were actually like in the posture feeling full of life and seeing your reflection and all of a sudden you can't accept uh what was there before and just that like pivot point has been so huge for me even and i mean like not huge like oh my god yeah it was such a big deal for me, but now I've solved body acceptance right. in my, like I accepted my body and right. I just feel so great all the time. No, it's like literally every single day coming back to the same shit. But yeah. I do think that that, that reflection thing is real and, and it definitely had a huge impact on me, has had, and it continues to have. It is real. <laughs> it's real. And that's so, that actually really helps because I'm the same way with pictures. I don't take a lot of photos of myself. I don't pose for a lot of photos because I feel like, oh, I feel that I look one way. And then, you know, you look at the picture and you're like, that's not what I looked like in my head when we were taking this picture but it but it is you know what but I get it like so I like that you're in a place of body acceptance and body positivity and you have graduated to now being able to like enjoy the mirrors I'm in neutrality still where I'm like I don't need to like you know if you're not there yet if I'm not there yet I'm not there yet I don't but that's so interesting that you're like oh I have mirrors like I have a I have an apartment in Brooklyn that you would like then (laughs) where every door is a mirror it's I also feel like there's so much to the journey itself and like just accepting that like the journey is never ending and it's different every day and you think you figure something out and then it's like actually you figure nothing out right. and all of that is so beautiful and necessary so and it also doesn't mean like- yeah it also doesn't mean that every day you wake up and you're like feeling 100 about yourself oh there God, are days no. where you're like doing the bad talking totally absolutely and i think that i feel like those days are more important than the days that the the sporadic days where I personally feel great, the days where I don't feel great are just so much more important because on those days, I actually am like bearing witness to the truth. Like I'm, I'm actually. You're challenging it. You're like challenging it in its face. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that, I think we, are kind of conditioned to believe that like life is supposed to be pleasant all the time and that we're supposed to, you know, if it, if it doesn't make you feel good, then it shouldn't be there. And it's like, not everything in life is meant to make you feel good. I, don't I think, think so. we're learning about that this year a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I, oh my God. I don't think Ooh. I felt good in a long time. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking to the photos <laughs> thing though, it really does make me, cause I look back at photos, of myself in college or even my wedding photos, like, and thinking like, you know what, the farther you are away from the photo, like the more appreciative of of you are of the person that you are in that photo. Like you are too close to the picture. If you, if you take the picture and then immediately look at it and start going like, like my chins, my, my face, my teeth, my, like everything, my arms. And then if you give yourself some space from it, like you go back to and you're like, I'm so cute. <laughs> I look amazing. Um, right. And oh so I God. do want to remember like, you know, I should be taking pictures of myself or like posing in pictures with my friends. Not like I can see my friends. Eventually one day when I see my friends, we'll take a picture. Um, because I feel like in 30 years, I'll be like, oh my God, cute. <laughs> even if I'm not right. appreciate it right now, even if I'm not like right. into it right now. Um, totally. How long did it take you to go from, you know, taking pictures of yourself doing yoga and sort of like 
mean critiquing your body to like where you are now? Mm. A long time. Yeah. Um, I, excuse me. So I've been practicing yoga for about a decade and I do think that the period of time where like when I first started practicing and I, so there, there was this whole period of time where like I was practicing in studios and I really didn't have like a very deep connection to my practice. I, I, I felt the way that I think many people feel about their yoga practices, which is like, it's a exercise thing that I do every once in a while. And yeah, it makes me feel great, but I don't really like, I, I, I was like, I don't really know that I'm even technically allowed to be doing this Mm. because it seems like it's very much embedded in South Asian culture. So I'm just going to stick to the physical part of it because that feels okay. And, you know, like, so I had this whole period of time and then I started practicing at home and I was um, photographing my practice and sharing it with other people. And, and I really only shared my practice on social media because I wanted to feel a deeper connection to the yoga community because since I was practicing yoga at home at that point I couldn't afford to practice yoga in studios and I just felt so disconnected from the um from the community at large and so this was back whenever Instagram like first came out and there really weren't that many yoga people on there but the yoga people who were on there they were like very serious practitioners and teachers who were giving each other feedback about their practices and so I was like, yes, I can be a part of this community. But the response that I got from people really wasn't, I didn't have that many people, like other yoga people reaching out to me with feedback. It was mostly people being like, I didn't know fat people could do yoga. Fat people can do yoga. And I was just like, fat people do all kinds of stuff all the time. (laughs) Like we have been out here. I am not even the first fat black person to put pictures of themselves practicing yoga on the internet. So obviously like we just have a huge visibility issue and a representation problem. And so that definitely encouraged me to keep sharing my practice with people. But even with that, like I never, excuse me, I never aspired to teach yoga. It wasn't a goal of mine. And I had people reach out to me from all over the world asking me to come teach them. And I was teaching um, locally, like I was teaching my friends. And at the time I worked in a restaurant and I would like work with the people who worked in the restaurant with me on like just ways for us to maintain because it's so hard on your body. But I really didn't want to teach other people. And when people would ask me to teach them, I would be like, why do you need for me to teach you yoga? There are literally thousands of yoga teachers. So I would recommend teachers and platforms, but it still was very clear that people were seeking my guidance specifically. And so when I went to teacher training, it was really just thinking like, maybe I'll teach a little, but like, I really don't see this being something that I want to focus my attention on. Mm -hmm. But during my training, I did, I, and I really think of myself as like before YTT and after YTT, because after YTT and during it, I really realized that- And that's the yoga reason teacher that training, right? That's what that Yoga means. teacher training, exactly, exactly. So um, during that period, I realized that <clears throat> the reason that there have to be so many yoga teachers and really why everyone should teach yoga to some degree is because there are so many different ways to practice yoga. It's not just practicing on your mat. Everything that we're looking for on the mat, ultimately we're just looking for in every other part of our lives as well. And that the way that we communicate about that is different for each person. And so the way that I understand practicing yoga is not gonna resonate for everybody, but it could resonate for even one person. And if it could resonate for one person, if someone could see compassion as the way forward, as opposed to fear, we live in a very fear-based society. Like everyone goes from like, like being scared and then that manifests into all of their decisions. If you can reflect compassion to even one person, that feels like a worthwhile, uh, a worthwhile pursuit to me. And so ever since then, I've really just been trying to reach everyone who's ever asking me to come teach them. And it's my teaching takes many different forms. It's, Mm. it's books, it's podcasts, it's 
online classes, it's um, IRL classes, like there's so many different ways that it shows up. But ultimately, I'm just trying to reach everyone who's ever asked me to teach them. And then once I've reached everyone, and it doesn't feel like I need to spread this message anymore, then I think I'll move on and do something else. Yeah. But that's how I got to be doing this. That is, that's awesome. I can understand why people reached out to you, even though everyone's a yoga teacher, you know, I think like, <laughs> there is something really nice about somebody who like I, I used to go to soul cycle a lot and I mm-hmm. loved soul cycle for oh, so yeah. many reasons one of them being that it was dark and they would literally like, lock you in the room so I couldn't be like I couldn't just like walk away <laughs> like they were <laughs> they were like holding me there um and and I liked that it's like 40 45 minutes and you're done like just do it it's like and it's fun music and it's great but what I hated about soul cycle was that every instructor looked exactly the same and every instructor was, and also what I hated about soul cycle and like, sorry, soul cycle, if you're listening, but, but like they would all pretend that they look that way because of just soul cycle. So it's this kind of like weird, like, advertising that's like hey if you come every day and you tap it back and you do like the weird crunches on the bike like you'll look like us and it's like no those people are doing like a lot of weird different shit that I'm not doing when I leave soul cycle which is eat like two breakfasts because right. I'm so hungry um <laughs> right well no I was gonna say like there's so much that happens within fitness culture that is unsaid and yes. I mean one of the main things being that a lot of people have eating disorders normalized eating disorders is just like a thing yep. and, and working out constantly and and really like checking your weight in a way that is very unhealthy but because we live in this society that fundamentally wants for people to be unhappy like capitalism I think works this version of capitalism works at its peak whenever people don't feel satisfied with themselves so there's this yeah right so there's like this push to continue that ideology and it's just like it's hard though whenever you go into an environment Mm -hmm. you're like I just want to feel good especially when it's something like cycling that is just like straight up good for the soul cardio. Like they call it soul cycle for a reason. Right. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's like dancing like, for 45 really, minutes. And it's just, it makes you feel good. And yeah. that should be the reason to do it. Yes. And I think that that for me has been such a turning point in terms of wellness and fitness. It's getting to a place of feeling as though the only reason that I am active is because I want to take care of my body because I feel like I love what it feels like to be moving at full force and to just like to just feel good yeah not because I need to change my body or because the way that I look is offensive to this person or that person or like whatever it's literally and really it comes down to just trying to satisfy my inner like eight-year-old yeah. you're like you remember there was a time where you just like run up the block just because you know like, you just do it just to see you get someone to time you just to know yeah. you're like you turn cartwheels just because you make up dances and, like, with your friends in the basement literally yeah. and just practice them over and over and over again and it's not because you want to be it's it's because you want to be in destiny's child not because you <laughs> want to be like right. you want to change to look different or anything like that so it's been a really interesting pursuit of my adulthood to look into that and to try to understand all the different ways that shitty self-talk and that it just it makes it hard to enjoy things that are just fun like yeah like working out is just fun if you let it be right we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back we are back um That is, I wanted to add on to that because I feel like you just hit the nail on the head for me, which is that every time I work out, I am, I am constantly spending that time. And even at 33, I have not yet been able to divorce, um, like let's work out because it feels good to move and you know, you'll feel better at the end of it because you always do. And you're working out because it's a punishment because you ate cake because you did this because you only got 90 steps. Right. And, and the thing that you said about eating disorders is totally on the money, which is that like, you know, when we were younger, we were taught about like anorexia, you don't eat anything, bulimia, you binge and you purge. 
there are so many other eating just literally like counting calories working out too much like talking about wellness and and elimination diets and like not consulting your doctor and pretending that you have like balance (laughs) you don't do anything on the other side of the scale at all yeah yeah. and one of the things that's really helped me in my relationship uh, my ongoing relationship with food is that I follow like a bunch and I'll link them in the show notes I can't think of them off the top of my head but I also I follow a bunch of um children nutritionists who are speaking to parents Mm -hmm. about sort of how to introduce food to your kids and like have your kids have like a healthy relationship with food and like even as an adult like none of that we never got any of that stuff we were told like you have to eat your dinner you can't have junk food till you eat your dinner you have to eat everything on your plate and then this and all these nutritionists are like turning that on its head and being like don't do that because then your kid is just going to associate sugar with like the good you know and they won't want to eat their vegetables or hide their vegetables and the thing that I I loved about soul cycle was that if I could ignore that every seemingly everyone else in the class was super tiny and went every day and was like on a diet or someone was like sweating for the wedding and I just like did the thing I was having so much fun but you have to ignore them yet also telling you like see like oh my god you're getting your bikini body ready and I'm like no no, stop saying stuff like that like like you're playing amazing music I know (laughs) Jessamine looks like she has like a migraine right now like you're playing amazing music why do you have to scream at me about my bikini body like I'm just having like let's just have fun and I feel like a lot of the fun has been sucked out of working out because it's like so it's like, why wouldn't you be here unless you wanted a six pack or unless you wanted to lose 50 pounds? Like there has to be another there has to be another end goal. And I want to shout out a really good fitness place in New York that I loved. It was called Broadway Bodies. And obviously, like there's no in, in-person fitness. Have you ever heard of Broadway Bodies? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Super fun. Um, It was a basically you went and it was an hour long class and you learned choreography to a dance. So they would date, they would, the choreographers would like learn, uh, the choreography from like Beyonce videos, Justin Bieber videos. And then you went and you learned the choreography. And the first one I ever took was to the sorry video, Justin Bieber with like all those, oh, nice. the, the New Zealand dance troupe, um, Paris Goebbels dance troupe. It's the, it oh, was the yeah. most fun. And their whole thing is like, all levels, all sizes. Like you, we're not here. We're here to have fun. We're just here to ha- dance. If you forget the choreography, do whatever you want. We don't care. Their whole, their, um, their motto was FTC. Fuck the choreography, which just meant like, yes. if you don't want to learn the choreography and you just want to dance in the back, yes. no problem. And then at the end of the class, they split you off into two groups. They turned down the lights. They put on this like colorful disco ball and group one hypes group two and group two hypes group one. And that's it. And it's so much fun. And it's not, a, it's not about working out. It's not about being a professional dancer. It was like, I love, you know, cause there's so many places in New York because it's a city full of oh my God. performing arts people. You can't really take a dance class for fun everyone is like I'm training to be on Broadway and that's fine but this was a place that's like we get it you're not a professional dancer nor are you trying to be you just want to have fun for an hour like come on in and I went all the time I loved it it was really they did a really really great job and like there were women it was mostly women sometimes um men would come but like it was there were you know like women my mother's age in the class there were like 19 year olds it was fun and everyone was just really nice to each other and it's like we need more of that but guess what that model like you said probably doesn't work because it makes people too happy (laughs) you know it's funny because I think that there's something that happens where there we're conditioned to believe that there's only one way to communicate with our bodies and I think that It really, so much of it comes down to personal choice and like how we choose to see ourselves. And I think that if you choose to believe that that's all you're worth, then that's all you'll ever be worth. But I also think that it's so imperative to offer other options. And actually, (laughs) excuse me, so much of that is why I started The Underbelly, my yoga studio, because I was like, there has to be another way of looking at this that not only makes people feel good about themselves, but is actually 
representative of what yoga is mm-hmm. because I think that yoga has really gotten lumped into this fitness category that it does not need to be in because yoga is a spiritual practice like it has nothing to do with what your body looks like like right. not even a little bit and but because of fitness culture and this idea of what you should look like that is just so limited it doesn't include anybody other than really thin white cishet people like there's no there's no one else at thin white cishet wealthy people wealthy people that's right there is so much of this that is about access and who is allowed to even oh yeah um, have the resources to engage with it and Mm. I was like there needs to be more more platforms like you're talking about with Broadway bodies where it is actually about just show up as you are, come yeah. as you are. Don't, this space is not about changing yourself. It's not about like, it's not about conforming. Yeah. It's not about, it's all about acceptance. Yeah. We're and not here to make it, you the best. We're just here to show yeah. you like, a, you're supposed to leave in a better mood or mindset than when you came right. in and that's it. And we're really, I think, being shown by like the pandemic and this global reckoning on race, we're being shown that we can't, conformity is not an option anymore. Like there's not, there's not a world where you can like seek this thing that this level of happiness that was never real. Like it was always smoke and mirrors. Mm And I think it's just so crucial for us to get into a space of accepting not just the way that our bodies look, but accepting everything that goes on inside of our bodies, everything, every, every uh, conflict of self, every conflict of our identity, whether that's like trying to understand who you are, like trying to understand the racist inside of you, whether that's trying to understand like the wealth gap. Mm -hmm. There's just so many different places where I think prior to 2020, there was a lot of pretending happening and a lot of like striving for shit that was not real. And now it's like, it's time to get down to brass tacks. How are we going to survive this otherwise? You, you make a good point. I think a lot and a lot of stuff, too, because everything there are so many ways that that lots of things that were once closed off um, because of money and because of access are now like available because everything's so digital. But it comes with a really hefty side of like performance, you know, where we saw that in June. We saw it with brands being like, I stand and like blah, blah, blah. And then all those all the former employees are like, actually, I worked for you like three years ago right. and you were pretty racist. And I mean, oh. like it just it's very funny to me. Um, and I'm and I'm happy that happened because it was like this knee jerk reaction to like, okay, now we have to post about it. And I don't think people really thought it through. It's like, have we really actually processed? Have we really actually thought about our role? And, and the answer is like, no, because you'll never be able to fully process. You'll never be able to fully think about your role. And then, but it was like within two hours, it's like, well, let's get, you know, let's get an Instagram post up. Let's get our graphic designer on this. Like, let's do this thing. Let's like give $10,000 to the NAACP and like then put a press release out about it. And it just because like the, it started turning into the machine and I really feel like it was the, the collective effort of, of like most people sort of all standing together and putting a halt to that. But like, if you're a brand that, you know, was, was, whose executives were exhibiting racism, like we are going to stop you. We are not going to let you get away. Like you can't just publicly say, you know, we are going to stand here then and, and take that away from you in whatever way that means. Like, you know, unfortunately like the wealthy executives of the world will always be fine. But I did see people being like, wait a minute, you can't just like put up an Instagram post and like call it a day or give, you know, this donation and call it a day. And I think people are really waking up to, you know, individualized, sort of like roles, you know, and, and the fact that it's learning every day and like kind of trying to apply that to all places, including the wellness world, which has overwhelmingly, like you said, become extremely white and rich and affluent. Like, you know, self-care is, is now like a billion dollar business, you know, and that, and, and who gets a piece of that pie and who doesn't and why, and like what language are we using? And, and a lot of that can be applied to fitness. So, so it's incredible that you've been able to do what you've done and reach so many people 
because you're doing you're doing it in in a lot of ways exactly what all these sort of systems don't say it can't be done. Right, right. And I think that um, it's, you know, I think about what it's that Audre Lorde quote, like the master's schools cannot dismantle the master's house. And mm-hmm. sometimes I find myself in this circuit of like, you know, we're, I'm, I'm very, very happy with our community at the underbelly, but I'm also always thinking like, we have to be expanding beyond the walls of what the, like really what the white supremacist patriarchy has allowed us to do. Mm-hmm. And like what, what, what conversations are allowed to happen. And I'm, I think that we are in this really unique um position to actually hold space, literal space for those really hard realizations and conversations that I think a lot of companies want to claim that they are having and have done, but really that they have no concept of. And at the underbelly, we make space not just for our community to have those realizations and conversations with themselves and with other people, but for our staff to have them with, with our, with, within our um, company structure Mm -hmm. and for us to really like work toward dismantling a system that I think um, generally, especially within the wellness industry is pretty misunderstood because there is, there are so many people who profit off of it directly and yeah. who do not see a benefit in its uh, in it being dismantled. And I think that until we're able to start with dismantling the the problematic racist inside of each of us, unless until we're willing to do that work on a personal level, there's no way to see it on a collective level. And right. It's it's definitely been very interesting to see everyone waking up to this at the same time. Honestly, I'm here for it. I'm so, I've been exhausted by the amount that people don't want to talk about stuff like this. And it's just like, you know, this is the world that we've always been living in. And finally we can like all wake up to it together. Yeah. I mean, as a, you know, as a a black woman, like, are you kind of feeling Mm -hmm. like in June, what was your reaction to, to everyone and by everyone, I mean white people, like mm-hmm. being so openly, you know, people have like white people have been struggling to say Black Lives Matter for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like either they felt, and I and I'll include myself in it um, too totally. as, as a white woman. Mm-hmm. But you know, you feel like okay, well, I don't want, I don't want you to think I'm performing for you. I don't want, mm-hmm. you know, I don't. That was always kind of where I was coming from. Like I, you know, Absolutely. where where I'm coming from. Of course, I believe Black Lives Matter. But in the past, you were always like, I don't want you to think I'm just saying it because I X, Y and Z. But it seemed like on the same day, I think because there was some sort of like, you know, the Blackout Tuesday Instagram effort. Um, It felt like everyone was like, you know, it became... Cool, popular, mainstream. Yeah, I was like... I have never heard this many people talk about racism or use the word black in my life. Like I right. just so I was floored by it, honestly, and not necessarily not at all in a good way. I would sure. say I was definitely just kind of like, okay, so this is like any other time that people want to make sure that they're posting about the thing that's popular. Like right. it felt like a race for popularity a race for conformity and Some woke points. I think sociologically it was very interesting to mm. witness and I, I I still I remain fascinated by it because I think it has it continues and I just and more than anything and I think that this is probably like the yoga practitioner in me mm-hmm. I am just really glad that people are talking about it yeah. like I would rather I would rather the conversation be awkward and we like step on each other's toes and we offend one another. I would rather that be happening than pretending and pretending it's not happening and gaslighting people and making it seem like, like their experiences are not valid. And like all of that shit I think is way more toxic than doing something that 
is offensive because you don't know any better. And I, cause there's no way to know better than to do something. So I'm here for it. I'm here for everybody. I'm here for all of it. In a way it's almost like, um, you know, going back to like what we, what I was taught when we were in elementary school was like Martin Luther King Jr. Racism is over. We're all colorblind. Mm -hmm. Like you you don't learn Mm -hmm. about the systems. You don't learn about Mm -hmm. like, you don't learn about like internal racism. You don't learn about, you know, the bias inside of you. Mm -hmm. And so now I feel like everyone's like, Oh, I just thought because they said in school that everyone was equal, that we were equal. And I don't, I don't like, yeah, that was that was like some dumb curriculum shit that they, they, no, it was, they should man, have revised. I think about it all the time how like if you were in school in the 90s that you were like fed the uh-huh. it's I think of it as like the myth of diversity, this idea that we're like we're Skittle Nation, you know, like everyone, <laughs> like you don't actually have to talk about race. And no. like but if you talk about race, then that makes you racist. That, that's exactly and right. And that you should never call someone by their skin color. So you wouldn't call a black person black. You would call them African-American, not knowing that that is dismissive of all the different ways in which a person can be black. And it's just like, there's so many different things that that fall under this. And then with everything else just reflects that, you know, we see it with ableism and with, um, with homophobia and transphobia and um, with ageism, like all of this shit. So I just think that, you know, I think that compassion is the most important thing that we can offer ourselves. And then by offering it to ourselves, we're able to offer it to other people. And I just think that it's only going to get worse from here, honestly, <laughs> like in terms of the need to practice compassion and yeah. to, to just be like, you know what, I'm going to say things that are problematic as fuck sometimes. And that's just got to be okay. Yeah. Because and we're going to learn. You? Right. Exactly. And we're like, going to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will, I will say that, you know, one of the things that I learned, uh, early in college, um, that I totally did not understand because of where I grew up and how I grew up and who was in my classrooms. And it was all white kids. Um, and it was all white, wealthy kids that, you know, we're told everyone's equal, everyone's equal, but then no one addresses like, well, here's the reason why everyone in this classroom is white. Um, and they say we're all equal, we're all equal. And then you find out about, um, why can't I think of what did it, uh, affirmative action? And, mm-hmm. and it's confusing. I, w- I never like publicly railed against it, but I definitely know that like in my head, I did not understand because mm-hmm. all you're ever told is like, everyone's equal. And then here they're saying like, okay, well, we're going to give some people like a leg up, but then they don't tell you why. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, kids aren't dumb. Like you could just tell children, like, kids can understand a lot better than adults can they don't have they they're more open they're like more spongy than we are like we already know we already know Mm -hmm. too much we've seen too much it's very hard to unlearn stuff in your 20s and 30s and 40s but like you know you you introduce like a kid who has two dads and a kid who has a dad and a mom and a kid who has two moms to a a younger kid and they don't care like they're like okay cool literally (laughs) I mean I really think that children are so much more wise than adults and I think that we are taught prejudice I don't think it's something that we come with out out the womb and I feel like we the children during this time period have been my greatest they I received so much hope from watching children and yeah. learning from them because like they're really just like why wouldn't black lives matter like right. I like they're like walking down the street screaming black lives matter because they're like this seems pretty basic like yeah. I don't know what we need to discuss yeah. and I'm like exactly and I think that for adults the only thing that we can do at this point is just actually listen to one another like actually hear what it is that we don't want to hear other people saying like we it's like we don't want to accept that everyone is having a different experience from us because like and I, I do think that personally that's that's something that's helpful about living in the south for me I think that people are way more upfront about their racism in the south I think that people hide it in the north and that it's like you kind of get to this place of feeling like 
oh, it's not there because no one's talking about it, but it was there the whole time. Yeah. I think that it's helpful for me to remember that like, you know, the person who is sitting next to me, they may not have been raised the same way that I was. Like they didn't have the same experience as me. And so yeah. why would they feel the same way that I do? Like sure. that, that seems illogical. And that really all I can do is accepting my own pain mm-hmm. and my own trauma. I can hear what they say and I can receive it. And I don't have to take it on as it's not for me. I don't have to hold it close, but I can receive it. And I can see this other human being as another human being. And they can see me as another human being. And I think that's the place from there, the, the future blooms. Yeah. But everything else is just destruction. Yeah. Wow. That really makes a lot of sense. And it's very clear how that ties back to a yoga practice, to a mindfulness totally. practice. I love For that. Sure. Um, yeah. Anyone who says there's no racism in the North has not been to Boston. Um, one of the most racist cities or Chicago, uh, or New York even. I mean, I think New York, like, uh, like Mm -hmm. everywhere, everywhere. But people in the North love to just say like, well, at least we're not the South. And it's like, okay, but pretty bad. Uh, (laughs) we're going to take a little break and we're going to be right back and we're going to see what Jessamine brought to do you think she's bought it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, we're back. So now when we started this episode, you got on, we're on video right now. And I was like, oh my God, your glasses. She's wearing these adorable, amazing <laughs> pink glasses. And I, I wear glasses too. We were talking about how dirty our glasses get. And you told me that you were like, well, you know, I just really wanted glasses as a kid. So what did you do? Oh my gosh, I lied on my eye exam and said I was just like man I was committed to having to being four eyes I don't know why I loved glasses so much and I still love them and I guess maybe it's like a librarian fetish it's it's an accessory I don't know it's an accessory yeah it's something you get to wear literally and it's a whole class of accessory that you can't wear if you don't need right it's a need-based accessory so you're telling me that during your eye exam when they cover your eye and you have to be like p you literally could see the letter p and you were like l i was i was like (laughs) "Mm, i don't know i can't mm, i'm not sure (laughs) and then but the thing is like they so so i got glasses first of all i picked like the most harry potter norm like nerdy glasses (laughs) And then I like proceeded to lose them constantly and like be like, oh, I don't know where my glasses are. And like now I really need glasses. Yeah. And I really need to like the curse. Have, I have this like I have this singular pair of blue blockers that I wear constantly, even though they don't do anything except shield the screen yeah. or whatever. But now I'm like, I think I need glasses for real. <laughs> because it's it comes from I blame uh I, I blame being a tech entrepreneur. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's, that's the fault. Cause I'm just like, it's all these screens. It's man. all the screens. We're all, yeah, this is the, if only our younger selves were like, enjoy your like need based accessory right. life. Cause it's only a matter of time. I was the same way. I always, I wanted to be, I literally wanted to fall down a, a flight of stairs cause I wanted crutches. I wanted a wheelchair. I wanted a cast. I would take anything. I, you know, and we all wanted braces and then you get your colors changed like red and green. Like I'm sure our parents were like, you're losers, but <laughs> like you, like oh, my kids are a oh. huge dork. <laughs> so you want what now? Yeah, you want no green problem. rubber bands in your teeth? Yeah, it looks really cool. Okay, it actually looks like you have food in your teeth, but all right, um, <laughs> whatever you want, <laughs> right? Whatever you want, you weird child. Um, well, that's yeah. And now when I when I even do much as like bend down to get something, my bones like crackle underneath me, and I'm oh like, oh God, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before they give me a wheelchair and crutches and a cast and send me on my right. way because man life over 30 
there you know my my health insurance premium soared from the night after you know from 29 to 30 they start making you really like buy your way into i mean insurance is a scam or the whole American healthcare system is a scam, but they like oh. will be like, "Oh, it's seventy nine a month when you're twenty nine, and the second you turn thirty, they're like, it's six seventy two. It's a million dollars. <laughs> right. They're like, you're a liability, and I'm like, why? And then meanwhile, you can't even hear my thoughts because the bones are crackling, and literally, <laughs> and I am getting no. older. Oh, no. But when you were like, I lied about my eye exam when I was in like second grade. I was like, wow, this person and I would have like cause trouble together we would have been friends so so tell me so tell me what you brought I am dying to know I brought and I think I actually have it right here in hand I brought something that I actually did not know how much I was going to love it Uh I really because okay so full disclosure yeah I did that like my whole life and I have never felt like I needed to do anything about thigh chafing. Like I never felt like, um, like, like I just got used to my thighs rubbing together. Yeah, like, this I is my life now. Yeah. And I remember when I was in college, people would be like, oh, you know, rub a stick of deodorant in between your thighs. And I just never really, I never cottoned on to it. Like it didn't, I didn't care. Like I've been wearing Daisy Dukes and just having my, thigh, like my thighs, the inside of my thighs are a completely different color from the rest of my body because that's just, I just have accepted this. Yeah. But I heard about Mega Babe's Thigh Rescue mm-hmm. and I, I actually just opened up a new fresh stick of it yesterday because I've been, man, I run this stuff out, dude. Like I love this product so much. Yeah. And I really just did not expect to give a fuck about it at all because I, again, like I just had never... I'd never prioritized that part of my body, but the first time that I ever used this, I just felt like it completely changed my life. I was like, oh my God, this what is, was I doing before? This is so exciting because Katie Strino was on the podcast um, a few months ago and we talked about Thigh Rescue. But when you listen to a podcast and someone's telling you about their own product, you're kind of like, oh, okay, well, obviously you're, you're talking about your own product. Oh. But I'm so excited that you came with this product and you were like, I'm not Katie yeah. Serino and I love this product. Literally like not. And, and I mean, it's so interesting because I was so opposed to the concept. Like I really just felt like who even cares? Like what? It's not that big of a deal. Wow. But the reality for me is that like when I'm, I would say that I notice it the most when I wear skirts mm-hmm. and when I like go hiking okay. because you, otherwise I think I can pretty much keep my thigh chafing situation under control uh-huh. <laughs> or like I just deal with it, I guess. But when I'm hiking, if I'm wearing shorts or if I'm wearing anything where my thighs will just like rub together, yeah. it will just become nightmarish. And there's a lot of, there's just so much sweat that pools in between my thighs. And, and I will say that like, if I don't put the thigh rescue on before I start sweating, then it's, there's a different level of effect. Yeah. But if I put it on, like, if I know that I'm going to be wearing a skirt or if I know that I'm going to be going hiking or something, it doesn't even necessarily need to be hiking. But if I know that my thighs are going to rub together a lot, if I swipe it on, one of the reasons that I really like it is that it doesn't have, um, there's not a lot of what's the word that I'm looking for where it leaves a residue there's not a lot of residue um and I really like that just the formula it's very smooth like it really feels like your thighs are just meant to go together like it doesn't that's one of the things that I think I appreciate the most is that it is very affirm. It's a very affirming product. Like it doesn't feel like I'm aiding against this horrible thing that my body does. It feels like I'm making space for my body exactly yeah. as it is. I and love that. I love that. And I love that you came to Thigh Rescue from a place of this doesn't really bother me that like I've never really thought about it. My I love Thigh Rescue. I came from it from the opposite place, which was that I was like, I really am fighting. I'm constantly fighting this sort of voice 
either from myself or from, you know, the media um, that says like, you know, thigh gap or like, like I'm in pain, like my thighs hurt. And maybe that's because there's a problem with my body. Um, And that's where I was coming from, which is like, just not the truth. It's like, who's like many people's thighs touch. Like it's, that's supposed to happen. And when I realized that it was like, oh, this is just because like, you know, my body, it's easier for somebody to tell me like, why don't you just get thinner? And then you won't have this problem rather than be like, Hey, we're just going to make a product that like makes your life easier. Don't change your body. Like we're just going to invent a thing. Um, once I realized that that was the, (laughs) that was where I, where we could go with this. And I tried, like I came for, I came out of it from the other way, which was like, if I ever wore a dress, I was wearing like bike shorts or Spanx underneath, or, you know, I don't, I didn't wear shorts. Like I was just like, Mm -hmm. I'm uncomfortable. And I, you know, it's, it's, this is just my, this is my thing to be, you know, and then you try thigh rescue and you're like, Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) there was the summer I got thigh rescue. I didn't, I didn't wear bike shorts once. And I was like, Oh, this is what summer feels like when you're not wearing a full body suit underneath. Like what, you know, like you can sweat because you're not wearing like heat tech under your dress. Um, it is a cool feeling. (laughs) <laughs> like Hell and you're yeah. right the the description of like it just makes your thighs kind of like it it literally just rescues them from the pain of rubbing together which like is not even like it's funny it's not even really a fat body thing it's a body thing your yeah. your legs <laughs> your legs are there and they rub together when you move like that is a body thing it's just a thing that it does and we're living in this world where like I mean it's basically like the cis white man's fantasy where like only certain things exist and things (laughs) that make them uncomfortable don't exist and like the rest of us have to try to fit ourselves into that world and and I'm just like look sweat happens it's supposed to happen. Yeah. It's a sign of your body working correctly. And like, there's no reason to feel shame over what your body does naturally. Right. This is the, unfortunately, it's a revolutionary idea. Well, but you just do whatever you want. Yeah, right. And like, also, like, you don't have to feel like when you're in pain, that the your mind should not automatically go to like, this is a you problem. Like mm-hmm. you have to change something about your body to fix the pain. I no, I'm just gonna buy thigh rescue for like thirteen dollars and call Literally. it a day. And just call it a day, man. Do, do you, I love it. It's the best, and I go through it so often too. I think I'm I go through like one every I don't know six weeks. I mean, maybe not so much anymore, just because I'm truly not leaving the house. But right. in in a normal time, I was going through a lot. Do you use any other of um, the Mega Babe products? I do. I really like Latouche, the butt mask that they do. I'm really into masking. Um, damn, that makes me want to mask when I get home. Actually, <laughs> um, I, so I really like that. Um, I really like the body wipes that they have mm. that are like all over body wipes because I actually used one this morning when I'm like in a rush and I have like practice yoga and I just got to get to the office. So I'll just like hit it real quick. Nice. Um, but, I really like all of their products, but yeah. those are definitely the two. Oh, and I have um, oh, the dust. They have like a beach scrub oh. that I have, I've been meaning to open up. You know, I don't. I have I have bust dust, but I don't end up using it that much because I actually have like relatively small breasts. <laughs> like on the this is one of my fat girl issues that like is not. It's like a lesser discussed fat girl issue, but I think that people always expect that like if you're curvy that means you have large breasts yeah and, big like, ass large breasts really, yeah. yeah I definitely have a big ass but I don't have like large breasts and so there's some things that like I'm like can we talk more about belly and like belly fat so, and like yeah. side food? that's more of a thing for me but like in terms of like having a cleavage sweat ring that's not typically it's not me either but if you have lower back sweat I use bust dust on that because it's like is there a I mean sorry to anyone who doesn't want to hear about this but like is there a worse feeling than feeling the sweat drop from your lower back down your ass because for me it makes me wish to be in an iceberg like I hate that feeling it's so I just hate lower back sweat that's where I sweat the most so bust dust is coming really handy for that if now, I can, now you all know. 
Well, no, I was going to say, if I can be, like, even more TMI, Please. when I have this mental image of, like, sweat going down my butt crack, it's usually, like, in a sexual capacity. And for me, in that context, I'm actually, like, really into it. So there's, like, this line where I'm, like, I feel you. But if I'm getting my back broke, I think I'm good. I, lo- I love that you and I meet in the middle from literally two ends of the spectrum on so many yes. different. I'm, like, and I felt this way. And you were, like, I love that feeling. And I'm, like, this feeling is hell to me. And you're, like, I'm turned on. <laughs> I. Yes. <laughs> This is how human beings should be. I love it. I really, really love it. Yeah, Thigh Rescue is like, it's funny. There's there's, um, a listener who messaged me being like, you know, I'm very happy wearing bike shorts under... under my dresses, like, it just makes me feel comfortable. Like, I just love not having to think about it, but I'm trying thigh rescue and I'll get back to you. But like, you know, don't be mad if it's like, just not for me. And I'm like, I'm not going to be like, I don't care. Please like, just let me know. Right. You're on your journey. Like, I love this for you. And she messaged me and I will actually find the message because it was like, so funny. Um, she really, she really went there with it. Let me, let me locate. Um, but yeah, I think there were a lot of skeptics. And I think also, like I said, like when you hear it from somebody, um, you know, when you hear Katie, of course, loves um, Thigh Rescue. She invented it. So she's, of course, going to say great things. But like, I'm so excited to have you here as the like, the like, no guys, like the, real people. I, yeah. <laughs> no, for real. It's <laughs> right. And I really did not, you know, I really... Like I loved it and I was really into it. But last summer, my um, like best friend and I, we went to Paris and London and Paris is just so fucking hilly. I think that's really what got me <laughs> and why I ultimately, because I just remember being like wine drunk in Paris and like on a street corner, just like, let me get this mega babe going. And I felt like I could go for miles. Yeah. So like, it definitely took that experience for me to become a devotee, right? but I am a hundred percent comfortable, <laughs> sensible shoes and thigh rescue can take you for miles. Like truly. Yeah, yeah, it really can. So she sent me a message. She said, PS, I got a pair of pants from Madewell. I would have had to return in the past because my thighs touched in them. I imagine they were kind of like a low drop crotch situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I wore them today all day comfortably with mega babe. That was game changing. And I said, Holy shit. I was worried you'd be the one person we couldn't convert because you were so sure. And she said, it works so well under dresses too, but I'm so used to wearing my shape wear that I'm mostly now using it for shorter dresses, low hanging pants. There was an entire type of pant or short I couldn't wear before because it was too much to wear shapewear under them. And now I can. So thank you, Katie. And thank you, Thigh Rescue. So I am like, we are all, it is really, it is really, I love when you find something that just solves a problem that you maybe didn't even know you had. And you're like, oh, for $15, we can just be done. This is it. Literally. And it's just like, don't even like, and I think that there was also, I had an issue with like thinking that I deserved it, like thinking I didn't deserve to feel good. Like thinking that, that it was kind of in line with what you were saying before about like, um, like the, like where you came to the product from that it's almost like, like I thought that I was supposed to feel that pain. Right. And so I was like, no, it's okay. I don't need this product because it's not that important to me. So like, I really identify with this person that was like, mm. yeah, it's a life, it's a game changer. It's a game Total. changer. Yeah, there it is, you know, with in for $15 or however much thigh rescue costs, it cannot cost much more than that. And I don't think it does, but like that whole conversation in my head where it's like, you know, I do remember wearing, you know, denim shorts and every two seconds having to like pull down, you know, you like have to like rearrange the crotch and your legs are on fire and you kind of, you get in your head because you are in pain and you're feeling bad for yourself and you get in your head and you start saying shitty things to yourself. Like, you know, if you were a little thinner then like maybe your legs wouldn't hurt this much. It's like, no, like just no, like maybe if you just wore this, you know, it saved me hours of like self hate talk because if I'm not in pain, when I'm wearing shorts, then I'm not thinking about my legs when I'm wearing shorts. Like I'm thinking about other things because I'm just wearing shorts and living my life. But like when the pain is central to a place where I'm feeling self-conscious about it, like, you know, it zones you in and you're just thinking like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I like, I should feel bad about my body. Maybe I should be working out more. Like how can I achieve this, this, you know, no pain and, and, 
if I'm all for capitalism, if I can just buy something to get rid of it and I don't have to like, you know, like hate myself. Um, so it's real. it's a mental, it's a mental game changer. It takes a lot of the, uh, the focus off of, of, of like actual discomfort. Literally like verbatim. Right. I've said it better myself. Oh, I love it. So tell me, I'm, I love this. I I'm there. You guys have it. It's not the founder of mega babe. Jessamine loves thigh rescue too. We're all on the thigh rescue train. Um, so tell me about how, what the underbelly has been doing like pandemic, you know, like what have you, like, how has that been? If you had to pivot at all, like what is your, what is, where are you, where are you guys at right now? So, you know, I do think that it is an interesting time for anyone who is in the digital wellness business Mm -hmm. because we have now come into a time where everyone is thinking about wellness and, and thinking about ways to make it more accessible to them at home. And so I think that for us as a business, it's definitely been a really great time for us to just surround our community with love and really support the practices that they've already had in place. And also like then trying to make sure that our doors are as open as possible to everyone who didn't know that they were seeking this type of practice. And that has been, I mean, I think that for all business owners, it is a crazy time to be in business. So if we're talking about like just the general season, it is like, it's kind of like standing on a plate, trying to stay standing up on a plate that is moving in every possible direction. So there's that. But I do think that the main thing that the main pivot for us has just been trying to make our make our offerings as accessible as possible. So not just focusing on our subscription model, but also focusing on free live events as much as possible, trying to um, make sure that we have as many things available on YouTube as possible. And really just recognizing that like, regardless of the way that someone finds the practice, like even if they don't find yoga through the underbelly, knowing that they can, whatever is harvested through their practice, that we are making space for that through our social media, that we're having, that we're a part of the conversations that, that are coming up for all of us right now and not letting it be just limited to like yoga postures and then specifically the yoga postures that you would practice on the app. So it's, yeah, I would say that it's definitely forced us to, to see our, um, to see the experience of our community members in a more holistic way, for sure. That's nice. Yeah. It it, it feels like it, I think people are really, there's so many, um, it does feel like people's approach to wellness during this time comes from like a way more mental place than it does in the way that we usually treat the wellness industry, which is like, you know, work out, then go to work and then do this and then this and then the hustle and the blah, 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 and then the training. It's like people are really coming like back to basics right now because mentally exactly. it's really difficult. We're like, we're literally like going through like multiple traumas. Um, and, and depending on where you fall, in terms of race, in terms of class, in terms of, you know, money, in terms of accessibility, in terms of, you know, being able-bodied or not, you know, you, you're like, there's a, it's like a a la carte trauma for everybody. Like everyone is dealing with like multiple different things, you know, on top of this global health crisis, you know, it like, it involves so many different aspects. And I think people are really just trying to come back to, you know, a, a place where they feel centered to be able to, to yeah. handle that in whatever way that means to them. And I think it's really great to know that the underbelly is available and it comes from more of like a mental wellness place than it does to be like, keep yourself in shape during the pandemic. Blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because the reality is that our bodies change every day and that they are going to continue to change for every day that we're alive and right. that there has to be some place where we come to acceptance of that truth because otherwise you're just in a 
race. You're just chasing your tail for your whole life. And I think the one thing that I really believe is so beautiful about this time that we're living in now is that we are being forced to recognize how important self-care is, that it is the only key to survival, and that you have to make that self-care as accessible to your life right now as it is as it can be and that it's too much to like be relying on us like you have to go out to this one studio that you like that you have to physically be there like we we're being shown how that's just not sustainable and that um that anything that you can do even if it's just taking a couple of breaths for yourself just just that in a day that can make such a difference it doesn't have to be the most you know it just right. finding a little bit for yourself is all you need that is a really really great that's great i feel like this is this this was the couple of breaths i needed today um oh. jessamine i'm so happy that we got this like going we did it It was so wonderful. Um, And you guys can follow the underbelly and Jessamine, like everything else. It's all on Instagram. It's all online. I'm going to link to where you can find all of the, um, why am I blanking out? All of the accounts that I'm talking about here. We will link to Thigh Rescue. Katie, if you're listening, just fan after fan after fan loves Thigh Rescue. Um, And just like, remember you guys, like, you know, the the wellness is not oh there's an entire an entirely different better definition of wellness than I think what we are usually fed um and it's waiting to be discovered and I I'm also right there with you if you're kind of sort of jumping back into the pool of you know doing some sort of like practice or exercise um and trying to make it come from a place of like doing it for you and not doing it because you feel like you have to, or because it's a punishment. Um, and so I know I'm going to be doing some underbelly free classes on YouTube, subscribing. I can't wait. Jessamine, you got to come back because now I'm thinking, Oh my God, we didn't even talk about gossip girl. That's going to have to be our part two. I know. That's a a sequel. That's a sequel. I'm rewatching season five right now, and I have much to say about Georgina. (laughs) Georgina the baby. Oh God. We can't, yes. I'm, I'm such a fan. You are amazing. You are this amazing. I'm so glad. I have mad love. And that's all I can say. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. You're welcome anytime. And you guys can catch um, every episode that you missed on gthingsjustbought.com slash episodes. Obviously, everything we talked about today will be in the show notes. And we'll see you next week.